Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. Constance! 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 Connie! Connie! Constance! (laughs) Just the whole movie. And I just love Cousin Charles is like, if he could just shut up for like a minute. (laughs) The whole if, oh I just goodness. if he's just he's just always talking. He's just always I, talking. I I cannot work if cousin <laughs> Charles is going to keep talking. <laughs> no wonder the dude's been stuck on the same chapter. He's like, <laughs> give Poor him any Uncle peace. Julian. Oh yeah, Uncle, Uncle Julian. Julian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Before we begin, good morning. Good morning. That's a that's a nice looking shirt you got. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you watching on our YouTube channel, um, it's backwards, but you can see uh, I have uh, a brand new Night Shift Radio shirt. I'm also wearing a really dope Night Shift mm. Radio hoodie. Uh, that and color I will, just pops. It's just it just pops. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'll turn around. And I'll show the back of it really quick. Can you see Damn. It? Yes. So it's yes. our it's our Night Shift Radio Year One celebration shirt. So for those of you that uh, are subscribed, uh, you probably noticed we dropped a bonus episode last week, uh, last Saturday, and we had a couple of guests on. Yeah, yeah, we had we were joined by the uh, the rest of the the management team here at Night Shift Media Group, uh, uh, our friends and co-hosts uh, Kitsy and Andrea, uh, yeah. who you may know from such. Uh, such other shows as Left of the Dial and Set Condition One and uh, Shift All Q, yeah, uh, and even even the Storyteller series, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're we're a very busy group here. Um, oh boy, are we? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, go listen to the 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 bonus episode. We don't need to, to rehash it all, but I mean, we had a real busy year going from one podcast to uh, eight, and going from the the two of us plus a, a sound engineer to now a. a We'll call it a staff of 11. <laughs> right. It's kind of a staff of 11. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty wild. And of course, uh, uh, for those of you who did, in fact, listen, you saw our two big announcements. One, uh, which had already happened, but Left for the Dial Live is up and running. And then we announced um, that Night Shift Media Group is producing an animated series uh, um, by uh, uh, New York Times bestselling illustrator Ethan Kosak um, called <laughs> Show 17 for Humans. Um, and if it's going to be Brilliant. super exciting. 
exciting. But if you, uh, if you, for more information, I believe actually, as of the time of this airing, you guys should have already seen the teaser trailer. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, but of course, for more information, you can go to, uh, their social media handles, which is show 17, the number 17 for humans, uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. So definitely check those out for more information. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I mean, we're not here to talk about those shows. Um, we're here to, in fact, talk about movies. Uh, so that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I am Constance. (laughs) Constance. (laughs) Connie. Connie. (laughs) So... (laughs) We we are talking about uh, we have always lived in the castle. Uh, this was uh, uh, a film that I would say co-stars Sebastian Stan because he's not really he's not really the main character. He is a, an important secondary character in yes. the story. Um, so yeah, as, as we mentioned last week when we talked about Afternoon Delight, starring the uh, delightful uh, Catherine Hahn, uh, with WandaVision wrapping up, we wanted to do a little homage to her. Uh, but now as we're, as we're ramping up for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we figured we'd uh, dip into some movies that uh, feature, uh, if not fully star, uh, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie. And look, at I, I think I've said it twice correctly in a row. I have not called him Sebastian Shaw today. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's great. Good. I'm, I'm really proud of you. And this was a movie where uh, it was like summer or like early fall, whatever, last year, where I, you know, I, I remember I told you I was trying to commit myself to watching uh, at least one movie a week that had nothing to do with any of our shows. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, little palate cleansers and just to remind myself, you know, what it's like to watch things for enjoyment. <laughs> right. Not, not because I want to see how, how deeply I can make, you know, make me hate myself. Um, and this is one that I actually was, was really interested in uh, even prior to that. So I, I found it on, uh, it's on Netflix now. I, I swear it was on Hulu at the time, but I could just be making that up. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because it's on, it's on Netflix now. Um, but this is based on a novel by Shirley Jackson. And some may know Shirley Jackson from uh, one of her other big works, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which obviously also got turned into a big uh, Netflix uh, miniseries, which I thought was absolutely excellent. Uh, I have read that book. Uh, it was not as, uh, not as intense as I expected it to be. It was good. It was very yeah. good. Uh, but it was not really particularly scary uh, or, or whatnot. Uh, and so I don't know if that's indicative of Shirley Jackson's writing or not. I, that's the extent of what I have read. I have wanted to read We Have Always Lived in the Castle, uh, but it's one of those ones I just never picked up. Um, so that said, we, uh, I don't know about you. I can't speak to how this uh, relates to the, the book, uh, but I enjoyed watching the movie. And when we were talking about movies uh, featuring Sebastian Stan, I was like, well, I've got one that'll make you hate him. <laughs> right right and uh and you were right um yeah he's he's absolutely uh terrible in this so uh as as the character not as an actor no, um fantastic he does a very good job now this this movie came out in 2018 so this is this is i would say a fairly new movie so this is definitely after winter soldier um mm-hmm. at this point he had filmed all of his marvel things so far like endgame had already come out or was filmed in about to come out because what Endgame came out in 2019 
Um, that feels right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he was either filming or about to wrap up Endgame by the time that this uh, movie had come out. He had probably shot this uh, the time before. So it was right around the time he's doing Infinity War and Endgame um, that he was making these movies. Uh, so this is uh, so this is Sebastian Stan as we've normally known Sebastian Stan. Um, cause he, he wasn't necessarily known as an action star per se. Like when he took on the role of winter soldier, he was normally known for roles like this. He was, he was the good looking, you know, man about town type guy. It's like him, like army hammer. And before, before like all the superhero things, Henry Cavill, like these okay, guys kind of yeah. like Janie, uh, Jamie Dornan, like they, they all kind of look alike, you know? So like. <laughs> Before they got into their like well-known roles, if you were to put the four of them in a room, I'd be like, these are all the same person and you cannot convince me otherwise. You know what I always forget is that he was one of the like douchey uh, ski bros in Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would he forget that. He was Blaine! Too. Yeah. Oh boy, Blaine. Uh, Blaine. I love that movie so much. Blaine is one of those like... Blaine is one of those like uh, 80s bully names that like nobody has named Blaine like in real life. Like I've never met a Blaine in real life. The mm-hmm. only Blaines I know are the villain in an 80s movie because there's there's the movie Airborne, which I know I've talked about before, and I fucking love this movie so, so much, and I can't find it anywhere. But Airborne is the... I don't even remember who the main character was. He he was irrelevant uh, in terms of an actor. Like, I don't think he did anything after that. But, like, Seth Green is in it. Jack Black is in it. Um, and it's just about a, a California surfer dude who ends up moving to Ohio uh, to stay with his family because of, I don't know, insert random reason. And Seth Green is his cousin. And like, so he's, he's in like this very like Midwestern family and he's like this California cool dude, bro. And he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I don't understand, bro. Like I'm, I'm off like surfing the waves and bra. And everyone's like, <laughs> we're in Ohio. Like what's a wave there, you know? And he's, <laughs> that's, that's uh, not how people in Ohio sound. I know, but that's how the mom sounds. And I just associated with, maybe I'm wrong about Ohio. Whoa. Uh, but I'm not sure. But anyways, <laughs> But I fucking love this movie because it ends up that he's actually a really good, like, like rollerblader. And they have, like, this really cool thing where they ride down this hill. But anyways, the bad guy in that movie is called Blaine. Um, and I just always think of that uh, because at one point somebody, like, pulls down his uh, the guy's pants and they're like, oh, it's shit-stained Blaine. And Aww. I was like, oh, this movie's so fucking good. And Seth Green is in it and he had long hair. Oh, man, this, ugh, this movie's so fucking good. But I can't I find like- it anywhere. Anywhere. I feel, I feel like I might have met a, a Blaine in real life, but I don't, yeah? I don't remember for sure. That's wild. Um, I I always associate the name actually with a, a bit from a Space Ghost Coast to Coast uh, uh, episode where he's like, he's kind of given up. Uh, he's like quit the, the talk show game and he's just sitting on the couch like binging soap operas and he's like now you have killed blaine's brother and like, he, <laughs> he blasts the tv with his his wrist blasters <laughs> oh that's awesome uh so uh yeah so so we're talking about uh we have always lived in the castle um and uh so this was directed by stacy passon uh who uh she's done a few things but most notably uh she actually directed a few episodes of the Netflix series The Punisher 
Um, And more specifically, which is something, this is really funny that she went to another uh, one of these sort of like short story, uh, like female short story writers, is um, Dickinson on Apple TV Plus, which is absolutely wonderful. If you have not watched Dickinson, I highly, highly recommend it, but she directed a lot of episodes It does look good. Yeah, it is just it is just very very good. But yeah, so and she did some House of Cards, uh, and uh, a couple of other things. But those those I would think are, are the most notable. But fun yeah. fact about Shirley Jackson: Shirley Jackson actually went to Syracuse University. Did uh, she really? Right here in Syracuse. Yeah, she went there for a while, and she ended up being part of a literary uh, a company here. It was pretty. It was a pretty cool fun fact. Um, yeah, that was back in um, nineteen forty. Something she went to Syracuse. I can't see the exact date, um, but yeah, uh, um, maybe nineteen, maybe late nineteen thirties, early nineteen forties. She was in that, Syracuse University. That would make sense because she was born in nineteen sixteen. So yeah, so if like, she was like eighteen. So yeah, that would be yeah. like thirty four or something. Yeah, nineteen thirty four. Yeah, um, there was the uh, the movie recently. About her starring Elizabeth Moss that I Shirley. also wanted to watch. That yeah. Look, that yeah, looks just, very good. Yeah. I mean, Elizabeth yeah. Moss, they fucking look exactly alike. Like, it's <laughs> she insane. Looks so much like her. Yeah. That was excellent casting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just, like, you couldn't go better. Not only is Elizabeth Moss an amazing actress, but, like, also she looks exactly like her. <laughs> like, uncanny amounts like her. It's it's pretty wild. Oh, man. Um. Yeah, so this... Just knowing Shirley Jackson's uh, writing reputation and specifically knowing that, like, you know, she's very well known for The Haunting of Hill House, uh, I went into this, like, even just having read the uh, the blurb on the back of the book, thinking, like, okay, this is going to be, like, this is going to be pretty dark. This is going to be, like, a horror movie, probably. Yeah. Um, at, at the very least, it's going to be, like, just a really intense, like, dark psychological thing. Uh, and... On my first watch through, I think because I was in that mindset, um, I felt just like the, the the whole time there was just this like creeping tension. It's a very tense movie. Um, this watch through, it's a fucking comedy. Like there are some just absolute gold moments <laughs> really that I are. think that I think you you miss when you're in the moment the first time experiencing this. So I, I strongly recommend if you watch this movie uh, once and enjoy it, wait a little while, come back to it, watch it again. And <laughs> it's just like these little moments that are just mm, chef's kiss. Oh yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. So uh, at the first, in the first uh, part of this movie, so uh, uh, the the story basically centers around two sisters. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, Maricat Blackwood and Constance. Constance Blackwood. Constance. Connie. Constance Blackwood. We'll get into why that's really funny. And if you've watched the movie, you also know why that's really funny. So there's Maricat Blackwood and Constance Blackwood. Uh, Constance is played by uh, Alexandra Daddario, um, Mm -hmm. who has, uh, she was in uh, the Percy Jackson movies. She was in one of the Texas Chainsaw remakes. She was in the Baywatch uh, movie. Uh, She was recently in that movie Songbird, um, which was like the most poorly timed movie in the world um, because it came out in the middle of the pandemic like at the height of the pandemic last year and it was about a pandemic where everybody's isolated away from each other just terribly fucking just terrible um and she's been in a bunch of other things um 
Uh, I'm trying to think of like anything really big aside from the ones we we mentioned that people might have seen, but I can't. She think was of in anything. True Detective. Oh yeah, yeah, she was in True Detective. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Liked that, uh, and she's done a bunch of like one-off, like you know, a few episodes here and there, or some TV shows, stuff like that. I think. Yep. Um, Sadly, I think some of her her biggest like Hollywood uh, quote unquote uh, releases were the Percy Jackson movies, yeah, which had uh, uh, just a lot of squandered potential. Truly, did truly uh, the Percy Jackson. I mean, it, I I remember watching the first one and I watched the second one and I was like, these aren't bad, but. Like they're just missing something. Like they they're were just—they're not good either, though. Yeah, they were just like they're just like missing some sort of like, like appeal. Like it was cool. Like I'm all for the mythology. I fucking love mythology, mm-hmm. and, and I love it. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like they—it was just. I you know what I think the problem was is that they couldn't decide whether they were a kids film or a young adult film, and so they lived in this weird limbo where neither audience really attached to it, you know? So, like, it just, oh. it was either, like, go in and be trashy young adult Twilight style or, like, just fucking cheese it up early Harry Potter film style. Like, pick one. And they couldn't. And, you know, they uh, they had a lot of, uh, a lot of things going for them at the time where, you know, the, the Harry Potter books and movies were a runaway success. Uh, and so, like, any... You know, anything that wanted to come in and, like, present that kind of younger age, like, fantasy, magical mythology sort of genre uh, had the, like, the setup to do well. Uh, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Um, and the books uh, weren't great, but they were fun then like they they were popular and there were several of them so again like there was this whole world of stories that they were set up and ready to like be able to just take and run with and print money and yeah. they did a really bad job at it ah. and like after like the third one i think there just was no more interest yeah that's 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 a sad that's a shame um but yeah so so alexander Daddario plays the older sister of constance blackwood I was she, she was in uh, when we first met, which we also oh, did. Oh, yeah, with Adam Devine. Yes, I, I knew like, that. I was knew like, saw I was her like, something, something recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Alexander Dario, um, and then uh, the younger sister Mary Cat is played by uh, Tysa Farmiga, um, who uh, her older sister, her uh, much much older sister, twenty one year old older or twenty one years older sister is Vera Farmiga. Um, who was in uh, Up in the Air. She was in The Departed. Uh, yeah. She was in uh, the Annabelle movies. She was in Godzilla. She's the she's the doctor in that. She is um, in um, uh, Godzilla, uh, the second one. She is, um, what's her name's, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's mom. She's she's ah, the mom in okay, that. Okay, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's, uh, but, she was in a few other things, but that, that's Vera. But Tysa... Um, For... Has been fans of the like the DC uh, animated universe uh, will recognize her as Raven in some of the more recent uh, like Justice League and Teen Titans uh, movies. Right. Yeah. Not so. the Teen Titans Go. The the Teen Titans. Yeah. Uh, the the real Teen Titans. The the mm. actual Teen Titans. <laughs> uh, also, apparently, in several episodes, uh, at least thirty two of uh, American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. So was Alexandra Daddario, actually. She was in a couple episodes of that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which so, yeah. Wasn't scary to me. American Horror Story? Yeah. No, I, I'm not. I don't necessarily think. 
maybe the first one that was its intention but i think i think they they started off being like ooh we could make a creepy like scary series and then they made it and people were like this is just fucking goth and cool and they were like let's just lean into that as much as possible and i think that's what they ended up doing was just pushing on that sort of thematic element instead of being scary just being stylized yeah, and I, I only watched the first season, and I wanted it to be scary, and it wasn't, and then I thought it kind of fell apart at the end. Um, and then I liked the idea, like, conceptually, that they took uh, mostly the same cast and, like, shuffled them around into different parts and in, like, a different setting entirely. And yeah. they did, like, the, what was it, like, the coven and the funhouse and, like, all the different variants and, like... From just like a high level idea, I think that that's really cool. But I was so let down by the first season that I never watched any of the rest. Yeah, yeah, I think it it got it got. There's some seasons that are very. I think it's like one of those hit or miss. Like there were some seasons that I know, like Hotel, people really loved. Like Lady Gaga apparently was amazing in Hotel, and I she's mean, still part of the series. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing anyway. Of course but, she is. <laughs> um, but then there was also. Uh, but then there was some like the witches ones. I hear people were like. Like, either you loved that season because of whatever, like, Emma Roberts, maybe, it was like, that was the only reason why I loved the series, or you were like, this was really fucking stupid. But I feel like it was one or the other. Like, it was, that was yeah. definitely, like, how people uh, basically accepted that uh, that show. I mean, the uh, casting is always just absolutely stellar. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, yeah, great cast, absolutely. Angela Bassett and Jessica Lang and mm-hmm. uh, Kathy Bates and uh, obviously yeah. Gaga mm-hmm. and just... Just Evan Peters ri- as well. Ridiculously right? good casting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Ridiculously good casting. Yeah. And then, uh, so outside of Sebastian Stan, who comes in as Charles Blackwood, uh, who is the cousin um, of of Constance and Mary Cat, uh, we have Uncle Julian, who is played by none other than uh, resident weirdo Crispin Glover. <laughs> Chris, I d- could anyone else have done this part? No. I don't know. No. I mean, <laughs> and another actor could have done the part, but could have any other actor like really done this part? Really? No, he's such no. a fucking see. Like, and this is you know you brought up the fact of like this kind of felt like a comedy the second uh, run uh, like right through, and mm-hmm. it definitely is because of him. Like his character, he pulls off creepy, like obviously disturbed, but at the same time you're like, what the fuck? Like you just can't help, but like his delivery is just. Fucking crazy. I love it. Yeah. So uh, the story centers around, as you said, uh, Constance and Mary Catherine, Mary Cat, uh, the two Blackwood sisters. Their parents have died under mysterious circumstances six years in the past. Um, Alexandra's character, uh, sorry, Constance, was was tried for the murder but acquitted, uh, I, I think, partially on lack of evidence and partially on like small town justice. Well, like she's too young and pretty to put away in jail. They kind of make a a, a reference to that at one point. Uh, And so the sisters go on living. Uh, The uncle Julian was uh, poisoned during the same evening when the the parents were killed. Uh, And apparently like his wife also was, uh, was killed that night, Uh, but he survived. Uh, But it's, it's left him, uh, in a wheelchair and kind of a, a bit befuddled, uh, and he's trying to write 
the story of how it all happened, and he's doing it somewhat, uh, somewhat factually, but also with embellishments. And uh, at one point, you know, he says, like, you know, if if I'm not able to finish this, uh, find a, a reliable cynic, someone who doesn't uh, lean too heavily on the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great line. Uh, yeah, the, the the girls are taken care of uh, of Julian, who is kind of at this point not really able to fully take care of himself, and they're up and the, they're family's uh, kind of ancient manor house up on the hill, Blackwood Manor, uh, you know, above this small town uh, that feels extremely New England uh, from oh. the the vibe of the town, but also the people, the accents, everything. Uh, and the people of the town uh, are very close-minded, small-town, kind of shitty people who uh, are just terrible to the Blackwoods. Now, mind you, the Blackwoods, as a family, have this history of like old money, uh, possibly you know, somewhat exploitative of the, the the locals. We don't really know a lot of the history. I don't think we're necessarily meant to. Yeah, I mean, but they, there's yeah, the locals like imply it. They were like, you know, oh, the Blackwoods are probably going to swindle us out of some more money, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, the kind of town where like the kids, uh, you know, call the, the girls witches and say that they eat rats and babies and stuff like that. And then the adults are like, just kind of cold shoulder at best and like actively like hostile, like you should get out of town while you can sort of, uh, at worst. Uh, and so we have this setup of like, uh, I mentioned that it, it's a, a creeping tension throughout the movie and every actor plays this so well. We're like, Nobody takes a deep breath and like nobody unclenches their shoulders through the entire movie. Everybody just like short sentences, like kind of shifty eyes, like not a, like hunched shoulders. And like there's, there's nobody is really being their genuine selves. And I love it. Yeah. You know, and one of the other really interesting things, and, and I don't know if the short story um, uh, treats it this way as well, but the, t- the story is told in such a weird way that actually the majority of the story is a flashback, mm-hmm. but it's told like you easily could have removed the like, cause it, it'll like a little card will come up and it'll say two weeks ago, mm-hmm. last Wednesday, last Thursday or whatever it is. And like, you could remove those and you would just be like, Oh, it's, you know, just a normal time. Like you're watching it in real time. But the fact that, the movie does start with, it's another one of those movies where it starts with the last scene yeah. and then it says two, you know, a week ago or whatever it is, or last Tuesday and then last Wednesday and then last Thursday and then Monday and then today and then yesterday. Um, and it's weird that it's, that it does that. And I'm not sure if that's a film thing or if that's uh, how the short story went as well. Um, but it's, uh, it was yeah. very interesting. But I, I think it's it's cool though that they do the uh, the flashback and tell the story, but it doesn't jump around at all. It just it goes all the way back and then goes all the way through, um, and you know, we get like jump ahead a day because you know we don't need to know the ins and outs of you know watching someone chew or snore. Yeah, uh, but it's, yeah, like they it's completely all... skip the weekend. Like it goes yeah. like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it's like. Friday and then it's Monday again. Yeah. It just lumps the weekend together. It's like nothing really happened here. Uh, And the story is told through Mary Catherine's perspective. She narrates it. uh, And her life at this point has become so like regimented and like she does everything just so she has her, her routines and, you know, her 
they're, well, she calls them like, you know, spells of protection and whatnot. So implied that maybe she's dabbling a little bit in like, uh, in Wicca or something like that. Uh, and it, it, it's told through her perspective, but we get most of our exposition on the story of the family through uh, Uncle Julian speaking out loud as he's trying to like think through the writing of the next chapter of his book. And I think that that's a really uh, clever trick, uh, especially because it lets Crispin Glover just kind of mutter and ramble and like repeat himself and then stop and do you like that? Did I, did I do well here? I, <laughs> I think I'm going to start chapter 47 with, it was a bright sunny day. Little did they know it was the last they would ever. <laughs> like, I'm going I'm to start with a slight exaggeration and then move into an outright lie. <laughs> Constance, dear, I'm going to tell them my wife was beautiful. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> it was so, uh, it was just so fucking weird. So one of the things that we realized, so, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned that, uh, uncle Julian is kind of there as, as the only existing, like the kind of left family member who, who is in charge essentially. Like he's the only one left who is, who is, I guess, older and, and more well-known. Um, Mary cat, uh, Mary cat is, is, I would say under 18, um, I, she's 18. She is 18. Okay. Yeah, so it's in the, the, uh, the, the narration says, my name is Mary Catherine Blackwood. I'm 18 years old. Oh, right. Yeah. So she's actually, uh, Tysa, uh, Formiga, uh, is actually, was actually 24 when this movie, uh, came out. So she did a really good job of looking young, um, uh, and playing young, I should say, not looking young. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so they did, they, we do get the sense that before this, uh, this, uh, instance occurred six years ago, um, that they were very, you know, they were involved in the town. Um, Constance was dating, uh, one of the, you know, local town boys, you know, obviously mm -hmm. maybe they went to school together or something like that. Like she, she was seeing him for a minute and then the incident occurred, and essentially the girls and Uncle Julian's uh, Uncle Julian just completely locked themselves up in Blackwood Manor. They only Maricat goes out. Uh, you know, there's a sense that that um, you know uh, uh, Constance has maybe some form of agoraphobia um, mm -hmm. because you know they they make a very big point of her saying, you know, she gets out to the edge of you know maybe like the lawn, and she was like, look how far I got this time, you mm -hmm. know. And Maricat's the one who goes out and does all the shopping and picks up. You you know, all the, all the things. And, you know, we even see as she's walking through the town, you know, as you mentioned, people are like muttering all the, you know, all the things like, oh, there's the Blackwoods. Like she probably eats babies or, hey, you know, she's going to steal our money again. You know, mm -hmm. so we get that nobody, nobody particularly cares for the Blackwood family. Um, and everyone, you know, knows that uh, Constance uh, poisoned uh, the mother and father and the uncle and aunt. Uh her or at least was accused of mm -hmm. of that. Um, it's it, it's yeah. a situation where, like, you put it in quotes, like everyone knows that it happened. Right. No one knows what happened, but everyone knows. But everyone knows. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, of course she did, wink, wink. But you know, well, I guess we'll see as the mm -hmm. movie progresses. 
So, uh, so now we've introduced the characters. So it's really just the three of them at the moment. And we see the routine, you know, we see her talk about like how terribly the townspeople treat her. We see a couple instances, for instance, we see the boy that Constance dated, um, you know, just be absolutely terrible to her. Um, you know, he's like, you guys should move. I heard you guys are moving. You should move. He puts a cigarette out in her coffee, you know, and she was like, uh, okay. So she, you know, Maricat leaves and she's obviously obviously very troubled by this like she hates everybody um mm-hmm. and she even says like i do these spells if you take a, a a a thing that a wicked person has touched and bury it you know and lock them you'll you'll ward off evil for a day like you know as you mentioned all the kind of the wicked sort of things you mm-hmm. know and you can tell that she's doing everything she can to basically avoid the townspeople who who hate them uh essentially yeah. And she does it into the guise of protecting not only herself, but specifically protecting Constance. You, you get a sense of that, like, even though Constance is the older uh, sibling, Mary Catherine uh, is intent on, like, keeping Constance safe. And that, like, he, she just has, like, this really deep attachment to uh, to Constance, even before their, their parents died, but now especially after. Uh, and so there, there's something something that really drives that, the, this like younger protector uh, relationship. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a very key element to the story. And it was one of those ones where, you know, it's definitely, you know, spoiler, I guess, it's definitely one of those things where, like, it's brought up enough where I was like, oh, okay, like... Got it. She didn't, Constance really didn't do this. It was really, yeah. you know, Maricat who killed the, the parents because they were obviously, you know, maybe they were dicks to Constance or something or whatever reason. And we turn out, you know, that's true um, because they they tee it up so perfectly of how protective she is to Constance. Mm-hmm. You know, Constance even says like, you know, maybe I should go. And she's like, you shouldn't do that. Like, people are terrible. Don't, don't bother going outside. Like, stay in the house, stay in the house. Like, you're safe there. Well, and the the boy that you mentioned, uh, you know, he she says how like he had a, a job and was like, you know, he had a reputation in the town and whatnot, and he got too close to to Connie, and like he wanted to take her away from me, uh, and I told father, and now the the boy lost his job and lost his you know whatever like money reputation I don't know like yeah like lost rank, his car rank like, in the military yeah he had, yeah, a, he like had he an automobile he lost everything. Uh, and and so like that's you know the reason that he's better towards her uh and yeah there's every everything that uh that Mary Catherine does is seen through the eyes of her like need to protect Constance yeah and you know uh to Alexandra Daddario's credit um she plays the character of Constance just absolutely fantastically so Mm -hmm. she has this like i i can't even describe it but where she'll just like wide-eyed smile and it's so fucking creepy but at the same sense you can tell that just she is absolutely screaming inside of her head but all she can do is just put on a smile and be like okay that mm-hmm. sounds wonderful. And like yeah. it happens later in the movie and it progresses where like crazy scenes are going down and she's just wide-eyed smiling like, ha, this is fine. She's she's the dog drinking the coffee in the fire. Yes. <laughs> and it's like that's that's her trauma reaction uh, is just to like shut out the world, put on a smile and pretend everything is fine and that, you know, she has 
some degree of control over her life uh, when really she doesn't. And yeah, it's that, that kind of glazed over like fake happy expression uh, that almost never wavers on uh, Alexandra Daro's face. Um, like there's a couple times when like the character starts to crack and the expression starts to crack and then right mm-hmm. back to it. Yep. <laughs> Just yeah. so well acted. Yeah. Yeah. She does a really good job uh, with that. So before we get too further into this, um, uh, I do want to take a quick moment and talk about uh, one of our other shows uh, called the Superpod Hero Cast. Um, so I know, right? So the Superpod Hero Cast, they actually uh, just released uh, an episode um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, and uh, I- I'm actually really excited uh, for this one because I do remember, I-, I never actually, I don't think I ever actually watched this movie. Uh, or at least all of it, or maybe I've seen it once, but I do remember this character of Flash Gordon so well and everyone talking about Flash Gordon and like knowing that comics existed about Flash Gordon. Um, But they just went back and talked about the movie Flash Gordon. And uh, um, so the Super Pod Hero cast, the the premise of their show is basically any movie that is based off of a comic. uh, They, they basically go in and they, they, uh, they pick it, they talk about it and they, I mean like we talk about movies, but they deal deep dive into yeah. movies like they they talk about like who would should have been cast or like uh the other people that were up for the role other directors like the thing they go into like you know rate like customer like a uh, um viewer ratings and stuff like they really go in deep about some of the stuff and we're just like has hey, mm-hmm. one time a thing happened that was funny fuck that <laughs> you know but like they really go into the details about it this like just um Wow, I just totally drew a blank and almost just said the exact same things that that you did. But uh, no, they uh, uh, they also have their uh, you know their, their sponsorship deal with a, a local bottle shop, and they they have a uh, a drink that they pair with the uh, the premise of the movie. Uh, so when uh, when I, I joined them for an episode to talk about the movie Dark Man, we drank a very dark beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that that's a, a clever concept and. Uh, actually, I'm drinking from my Super Pod Hero cast, uh, cast oh, hey. uh, glass right now. That's that I got pretty from, funny. From being a guest. Oh, that's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so guys I mean, with beers talking about movies with capes. That's right. There are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. That was, that was great. But uh, so for more information about uh, the Super Pod Hero cast, uh, of course they're available wherever you get your podcast. But go ahead and check out NightShiftRadio.com, uh, and you can learn all about them and our many other fantastic shows that the night shift radio podcast network offers i'm looking at it right now yeah it's it's pretty nice i'll tell you <laughs> whoever whoever did that website is, is a pretty cool guy yeah yeah, yeah. We, should, we should give him a high five <laughs> yeah high five <laughs> uh, but anyways so let's continue on with uh we have always lived in the castle um so now at this point, we, we've got the general idea. We've had a couple of people visit um, who who are, I'm not entirely sure like what their goal was. Like who exactly were there? Were they like executors? Were they like bank people? No. So uh, this is one of the, the first scenes that, that jumped out at me this time around uh, for its comedic value. Uh, there's Helen and Sam Clark, who like Helen was an old friend of uh, Mrs. Blackwood. Uh, and so, like, you know, she comes around to 
uh, to just to keep uh, Constance company and you know talk about uh, the happenings around town. There was like a, a flower festival that uh, I guess Constance uh, used to participate in and was known for like. Uh, you creating like really beautiful floral arrangements and like someone else won and Helen's like, Oh, you would have, you would have won that hands down this year. Um, but she brings, uh, she brings another friend over, uh, Lucille, right. Uh, and Sam, uh, Sam Clark drops them off in the car and, uh, goes to leave. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll be back to pick you girls up in an hour if you need it. And they just like slam the door in his face. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, they don't want you there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, uh, you know, the, the, the women are sitting around, they're having tea and they're, they're chit-chatting and gossiping and whatnot. And um, Helen implies that Constance should, uh, you know, try to get out of it. You know, maybe not all at once, just like, you know, for a couple hours, you know, you know, a, a day a week or something like that. Just to start to, to integrate back in town and you instantly see uh, Mary cat just tighten up. Like it's like rage. Like, yeah. no, she can't do that. I won't, I won't allow it. She's and just straight up vibrating in the background. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like the, the dude, the, this like stressed out vein yep. popping kid <laughs> meme. She's that guy in the background. And she's like, we forgot the milk and goes to get milk for the tea. And she's just like, Smashes a mug and Constance just kind of looks towards the kitchen with a smile on her face. Like, everything's fine and happy. Yes. Maybe someday I will do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, Lucille, who uh, was not expected, uh, you know, she, she doesn't normally join uh, and was supposed to uh, behave herself and not ask uh, you know, questions about the thing. Uh, Uncle Julian starts chatting her up and she's like, you know, tell me more. Like once all the, the details, so like he takes her in on a tour of the, uh, of the dining room and like, wh- you know, where everyone died and like, you know, where they were sitting and like st- tells her all about how like you know, he, the, there was the arsenic in the sugar and he could taste it. And she's like, you still remember? And of course the whole time Helen is like, I fucking told you not to ask questions. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Knock it off. And Mary Catherine is just like, yeah, <laughs> vibrating in the background. It's just, yeah, it's just a great scene to really show like the absolute insanity that's happening in this household and how any sort of outside interference just completely sends them all on a, on a whack. And where I say earlier that like the the townspeople feel incredibly New England to me, uh, there's a, a great moment where, um, you know, there, uh, Julian mentioned something about how uh, uh, Constance was acquitted, mm-hmm. and uh, Helen is like, you know what? No one, people don't even remember. We don't even think about it. It's it's history. No one, no one will even remember. It's fine. Uh, and of course we know from seeing Mary cat go into town that everyone remembers, uh, and it's not fine, but the, very much that idea like, Oh, it's all forgotten. It's in the past. Don't worry about it. Like just like under the rug. <laughs> yep. And like, no, and that's no Helen. We, we know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. In a, uh, so that, that tees up our moment of like, oh, got it. Any sort of interference, any sort of change really fucks with them. 
Mm-hmm. And then they get another unexpected visitor, uh, none other than Charles Blackwood, who is uh, played by Sebastian Stan. Um, it's Cousin Charles. He's come to stay with us. He's come to visit us. He's come to visit us, yeah. (laughs) So Cousin Charles comes in, and, you know, the thing about Cousin Charles is when he shows up and starts talking, you immediately know, and they never actually really say it, actually. They do a really good job of, like, implying it based on how he acts, but he never actually, like, no one actually says he's here just to collect on the money, like, mm-hmm. he never actually says it. He never actually does anything necessarily that means, you know, like, oh, maybe I should hold on to the money or anything like that. Like, he doesn't do any of those instances, but he says a few things like, why, you know, like Mary, so we, we've talked about Mary Cat, how she's burying things. We find that she's been burying money. Um, mm-hmm. She buries silver coins and things like that because she's using them as like those protection spells. And he goes to fix the steps and finds a box full of about 40 silver coins uh, in in a thing. And he was like, what the, what the fuck is she doing? Like, she can't be doing this. This is fucking weird. Like, mm-hmm. there's like 40 coins in here. Like, w- you know, this is a lot of money. Like, and then he finds that she she buried uh, her father's watch. And she was like, he's mm-hmm. like, this is, this is worth a lot of money. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't be doing that. But he's seen wearing the watch later. So it's yep. not necessarily like, you know, he was like, you could sell this and make a lot of money. But he doesn't sell it. But it's just enough where you're like, got it. You ran out of money and you're here to, you know, try to squanch on the fortune. Uh, and he like fully moves into uh, the father, uh, John Blackwood, into his room and like starts wearing his suits and smoking his pipe. And, you know, he starts basically treating Constance like she's his wife. And this is, you know, very much mid century. So uh, think of all the, the like, shitty misogynistic ways that uh, you can imagine uh someone treating their their wife and he does them yeah. and uh, like he just sits around the house smoking and like yelling for her to do things for him constance constance connie connie constance <laughs> another one of the things where like again in in the moment you're like oh my god this guy's such a shithead like i can't fucking stand and then like the next watch they're like yeah he's a shithead but like it's hilarious the way he just like, keeps yeah. yelling. well and the best part is because all he does is is just yell for constance about all the weird shit that mary cat's doing and like mm-hmm. all the other things and again the best part is uncle julian just being like why is he always talking? He's just always talking. I can't do anything while he's... I can't concentrate with him just talking all the time. I can't work in this room if he's just going to be talking all the time. And John, (laughs) like, what is he... he, um, Julian also keeps uh, kind of in his head switching... Charles for John. Apparently, they they look a lot alike, as we're we're told. Um, But he keeps mistaking... um, John or Charles for John, and he'll call him John, uh, and talk about Charles, and then he'll shift to back, back to calling him Charles, and then back and forth. Uh, and then there's one where he he's going off on a tirade and yelling at John, uh, and then just finishes the sentence with Charles, "When are you leaving?" <laughs> <laughs> at one of the later scenes. Uh, you know, Uncle Julian, like, uh, uh, Charles is like, he's doing, you know, he's just like going around and like, oh, we should, you know, take this and put this here. And he was like, I, he's like, Constance, I think I need a box. 
I need a mm-hmm. box to put my papers in so Charles doesn't touch them. Can you give me a box so I can put my yes. papers in? Charles, I don't want you touching my papers. Can I get Charles a box? St- Charles, stay away from my papers. Don't <laughs> touch my papers. <laughs> don't touch my papers. And, uh, of course, uh, Constance gives him a box. He's like, what's this? And he's like, it's, it's your box. What for? To put your papers in. Mm, Charles, don't touch my papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just great. So uh, so at this point, you know, now Charles has moved in. He's being super creepy to Constance. And Constance has just kind of fallen into this trap again of just blindly following uh, this. Now, mm-hmm. periodically throughout the movie, we get these little drops of information about how specifically uh, the father was, how, how, the, how John uh, Blackwood was, you know. You know, where Maricat or Constance will say things like, oh, well, Father always said that the townspeople were just nothing but animals and that they could mm-hmm. have a house like this if they wanted, if they worked hard, or mm-hmm. that, you know, people are terrible and don't trust them. So, like, we get these hints that that the father was just a terrible fucking person. Like, he was just a really shitty, like, rich dude. Um, and that's, you know, so so we're starting to get that sort of background-painted picture of of who he was as a person and maybe the the uh undue stress that was brought into that household which probably led to their uh demise um mm-hmm. you know Mary Cat makes a statement of like um you know I wish uh, uh I wish I could you know ban- vanquish the evil and everyone like if I just say a word and these people would drop dead she says it several times um mm-hmm. and one of the other really interesting things that Mary Cat does which I think was uh, I think to me was probably the dead giveaway is whenever she would get into moments of just complete stress or anything, she would just start like listing out um, different poisons and the effects that they have. And I was like, oh yeah, she fucking did it. She definitely yeah. did it. And you know, Constance like would be like, directly oh, from a text. right. Yeah. You know, she'd be like, oh, well this poison for this and this poison for this. And Constance would be like, oh, huh, I knew all about these and I taught her everything I knew. Um, you know, and so y- you get the sense that, yeah, Mary Cat, she definitely did this. Um, and, uh, she did. And there's, a. It, we know that, that Mary Cat wasn't present at the dinner when the family died. Uh, she had been sent to her room, uh, to be punished, uh, as a, as a child of, of 12, she had done something and, and was sent to be punished and, there's a really tense dinner scene where uh, Mary Cat had uh, had fucked up Charles's room, and uh, Charles spent pretty much the entire day trying to force her to apologize. And she runs off, and then she comes back in time for dinner, and he's like, I, "You know what? I'm over it. I just want to enjoy my dinner in peace." Uh, and then she starts reciting the the poison things, and he just like loses it and just like starts screaming and like. You know, sends her to to her room to be punished, and um, ends up like chasing her up the stairs. And we have this moment where she's screaming, "Father, stop!" And that, to me, says that like there is there, there's some remembrance here of possibly the the night that uh, she she killed her family. We, yeah, she killed them. We know oh, at this point. Yeah. Um. Uh, that that may have been. Uh, a, a like uh, a retribution for something or some things that had happened in the house, and they refer at one point later on to John Blackwood as having been a wicked man, uh, and so um, I think that he uh, he got his comeuppance. Um, 
not sure what uh, what Julian and his wife uh, had to do with it, but you know, they, they were just in the way. Yeah, you know, uh, and it's interesting in that same sort of dinner scene, um, you know, he was like, uh, uh, Charles is like, you know, we we really, Constance, we really should do something about Maricat, like this is bad. And she's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to punish me? Send me to my room without dinner? And then she instantly starts reciting the poison list again, and that's uh-huh. when he grabs her and uh-huh. starts dragging her upstairs. That's where she starts yelling, father. So that's like, you know, our moment. And then, so instantly before this this incident though just before dinner's about to begin Mary Cat goes into Charles's room and sees his pipe sitting on on the side table and she picks it up and she throws it into the wastebasket and we see it kind of spark a little bit mm-hmm. so now as they're fighting and getting up to the top of the stairs you know he's holding on to her and he stops for a second and he's like what's that what is that? And you can hear the fire like in the background and he starts like smelling like, wait, what is happening? So at this moment, all hell starts to break loose. So he's like, what the fuck? And so he runs out to try to go get the fire department. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Constance, there's a fire. We have to leave. Pack a bag. Grab the money. <laughs> yeah, grab the money. <laughs> take the, gun. Take the cannoli, the- leave the gun. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'll go to get help. And he's just like driving down the hill, pounding on the horn uh, to get people's attention. And the people in the town, they look up and they see the smoke and they're like, oh, there's a there's a fire at the Blackwood place. <laughs> and then they take a sip of their drink casually. That's <laughs> exactly what happened. So, so he runs off. At this point, Uncle Julian actually heads to his room and just shuts the door and it just sits there. And it's like, yeah, all right, here we, here we go. Like, this is my moment. He puts um, his papers in a box to protect them. Yep, of course. Um, <laughs> which is, which is actually great. Um, and then, so Constance and Maricat, they, you know, obviously they get scared and they head off somewhere and they, they hide to, you know, for, for the fire to happen. And at this point now the town has come up, um, you know, and a bunch of people are watching and, you know, the fire department shows up and they're kind of like, well, what do we do? And most of the townspeople are like, let it burn, let it burn to the ground, fuck them, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, uh, it's fucking terrible. And uh, so eventually the fire department does in fact uh, go in. They they do uh, disting- uh, extinguish the fire, but then the townspeople actually come in and just trash the place and at Mm -hmm. one point they find constance and mary cat and they drag them outside and they're you know everybody's yelling at them and scolding them you know one person's like they're ripping at their clothes like another one holds on to mary cat you know as she's like no no because like constance obviously is just in a complete state of like almost a catatonic state being like there's so many people i'm outside what is happening yeah it's Oh, it's absolutely, uh, it's, it, it, this is probably, that was probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes for me because yeah. I could like feel her, her, like her scare, like I could feel her emotions in her and I'm like, oh my God, like I was tensing up during that moment. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, and it's our, our friends, uh, Helen and Sam Clark who find, uh, uncle Julian's body dead and, uh, Sam comes out and sees everyone attacking the girls and looting the house and everything. And he like tries to yell to get them to stop and nobody will. So he slams on the car horn and nobody listens. So he shoots off a gun and suddenly everyone stops. And he's like, yeah, Julian Blackwood is dead. There's been a death here tonight. Get out of here. Like, you should feel ashamed of yourself. And everybody does that thing that always like, 
I guess I've never been in a situation like this to watch how people actually behave. But when I see it in a movie, I think nobody would actually do this. Like people just scatter in every direction. They do the overhead shot and you see people just running around willy nilly. And I swear it's the same people just running back and forth to make the scene look more crowded. And I fucking hate it. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's really weird. So, you know, everything's, everything's crazy at this point, you know, Maricat and Constance, they, they run out, they end up falling asleep, you know, somewhere in the property, kind of like off in the woods area where, where Maricat has been burying some things. Um, and you know, they wake up and this is now today. So like this was the fire happened yesterday and then we wake up and now we're, our time has caught up. Mm -hmm. Um, and at this point, so they go back into the house and, you know, they're, like, kind of picking things up. And, you know, this is where we get our reveal moment of Maricat saying, like, I was the one that poisoned, you know, uh, that poisoned everyone. And she was like, I know. She was like, I put the, you know, I put the arsenic in their sugar. And I know you never take sugar with your coffee. Um, you know, and she was like, oh. And actually, uh, we we find out the reason why Julian was only sort of affected is because he put sugar on his blackberries and ate the blackberries and didn't drink the coffee. So he didn't have as much arsenic as everybody else who was mm-hmm. drinking it in their coffee instead. So he only had a small amount, which is what uh, uh, somewhat paralyzed him and uh, kind of made his mind go. Yeah. Um and of course, as they're trying to put the, their home and their lives back together, you know, we get the, the townspeople who suddenly feel bad for what they've done. They they start coming by and knocking and like leaving food. And uh, we get uh, old Ned, who is uh, Bosco Hogan. Uh, <laughs> what a name. <laughs> but it's a fucking great name. Uh, old Ned comes by and he's like, you know, I, I broke one of your chairs last night. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> we got we got they got a chicken and my, my wife roasted it up real good and there's cookies and a pie. <laughs> I'll I'll just leave this out here for you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> like he was one of the ones that was like, yo, let it burn. Like this right. town to be better with it. Like and like the next day he's like, sorry, your uncle died. Awkward. Um, yeah, as uh, so one by one, the, the townspeople start coming and leaving food. And at one point, Sam and Helen Clark try to, to stop by, and Sam's like, "You know what? They've they've been through enough. If they, if they want to be seen, they'll be seen. They're not going to come to the door." So they leave, and <sighs> brave heroic Charles, who was there all along, just just to help and like totally selfless and wanted nothing for himself, he sure. he comes back after disappearing into the night. Uh, and, you know, during the the mob, uh, and he's like, "I'm back." You know, everything, we can just put it all behind us. Like, let's just forget about it. you. Know, we had a good thing, and like, what about Italy? I was gonna take it to Italy, and then they don't respond. He's like, "I don't deserve to be treated like that." He just total meltdown. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he finally uh, comes busting into the house and tries to you know attack Connie. And he's got it pinned on the ground, and we see this uh, leaning tower of Pisa snow globe that has been totally Chekhov's gunned throughout the uh, the movie. It was like and one of the first things we see. She shakes it and sets it down and starts talking, and then shakes it and sets it down. Yep. Yep. And uh, Mary Katz picks it up and just like 
bashes him over the head once with it to knock him off her. And then you know, the, the glass is broken and we just have the, uh, the, the tower and she takes that and, you know, thankfully we don't see it, but yeah. presumably rams that straight through his skull. Yeah. And that Ooh. is the end of cousin Charles. Good. Goodbye, Charles. And they bury him off in the yard, uh, with the rest of the other evil totems. <laughs> because she, she does love to bury things. Yep. And then, uh, we get our moment of uh, retribution for uncle Julian as, uh, Maricat is the one is the cynic who takes over writing the rest of his novel about what happened and says, I am Maricat Blackwood. And this is the tale of, you know, we have always, and we have always lived in the castle or something, you know, whatever it, uh, she says at the end. So, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, and thus our story ends. So should you watch this movie? In yes. my opinion, at least twice. At least twice. I I I think this was uh, I think this was a really good movie. It has its very. It's definitely one of those movies where. You're right. I definitely went into this movie thinking it was going to be ghostly or paranormal mm-hmm. or even more gothic than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it's just more psychological than anything else, because when you really strip away all of the things to it, it really just comes down to. A family went through an insane amount of trauma and nobody was there to help them. Nobody. Yeah. So they just festered that trauma within themselves and built this castle, this moat around themselves. And instead of healing, just got worse and worse and worse. And then all these outside factors just kept piling on until eventually a fire. Yeah. And so much of what makes this story great is what is not explicitly told. We don't know any of the direct actions or deeds of the Blackwood parents. Right. Um, we only learn at the very end. We know, but we only learn at the very end uh, you know, to what extent Mary Catherine was in, involved in the the murders. And you know, there's there's all of these things about the the family trauma uh, that we we never learn about. We never really learn like you know, who Charles Blackwood actually is, and right. you know. For all we know, like just given the the time period, he could have been a total imposter, just showing up uh, to to try to to weasel in on the the family fortune and take advantage of these you know uh, these traumatized kids uh, who are essentially all alone now. Like there's there's so much that like you have to infer out of the story, and I think that that's what makes it so great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know outside of I would say maybe a few moments, um, and again, I don't necessarily necessarily know if these played out the same way in the short story. Um, I didn't feel like I was being handheld through everything. And even the fact of knowing that Maricat was the person who killed them, even from the get-go, didn't spoil anything. Like, yeah. the moment where Maricat reveals that she's the one to do it, Constance has the same sort of reaction that the audience is also supposed to have, where they were like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Like, it's yep. okay. I understand. It's not supposed to be like a, no, it was me all along. <laughs> it is very much supposed to be like a, yeah, I know. It's not, it's not it's a big off. reveal. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not meant to be a big reveal. It's just meant to be like a, yeah, like, there mm-hmm. it, you just said it out loud and thank you, but... Yeah. Um, and it was great. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a really good movie. It's a very tense movie and it's totally worth a watch, especially if you are uh, looking to celebrate Sebastian Stan uh, before he is the Winter Soldier again, um, which actually uh, the Winter Soldier uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out this Friday on Disney Plus. What? 
I know. That's so, so soon. I know. It's uh, it's insane. I'm very excited uh, for that series. Um, but anyway, so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. So next week, we are back with, is it another Sebastian Stan movie, or is this an Anthony Mackie one? Uh, this will be another one with Sebastian Stan, and this was entirely coincidental. Um, when we were doing our, our listener request, uh, my wife Ellen, uh, who is not a listener, and I don't blame her, had <laughs> said, you should watch uh, Rachel Getting Married. I, I love this movie, and I, th- I feel like it kind of went under the radar, and like, you know, it's definitely right up Michael's alley. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll put it on the list, but we didn't include it in the uh, the month of February where we did all listener requests because that would, wouldn't have been entirely true. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I was poking around uh, looking for movies with Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie, I saw that it just so happens that Sebastian Stan is in this movie. And I don't know to what extent because I've never seen it. So he could be like a bit part that just does a walk on and like flips everyone off and spits and walks away. Or he could be like a major character. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll find out with y'all. Th- that's exciting. Yeah. So, uh, so Rachel getting married is the next one. And this one, if I'm not mistaken, is one that is, uh, is an on demand one. So you will have mm-hmm. to, uh, to rent, uh, this one. Um, as far as I know, that is true. Yes. Now, yeah. That of course could change as, you know, streaming services change from week to week, it feels like, but for now, uh, I'm told that it's worth it. Cool. Well, I'm very excited to see it. Um, yeah, so we will uh, we will see you next time on uh, the Never Heard of It podcast. And uh, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so. And uh, if you are so inclined, leave a rating and review. It would be super helpful. Um, but thanks for everyone. We will see you next time. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.